Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and this is my co-host. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today, we are going to be talking about the 1996 legal thriller, Primal Fear. On my first day of law school, my professor says, from this day forward, when your mother says she loves you, get a second opinion. In the game called Fame. You are a master at putting the victim on trial. A victim in this case is my client. In the business called Justice. First thing I ask a new client is, so you've been saving up for a rainy day? Guess what? It's rainy. The victim in this case is not only the Archbishop, it's also the people of Chicago. Excuse me. Hello, this is a Martin Vale. You got the news on by any chance? I think everyone's gonna want this one. There's one lawyer they love to hate. Sell the book rights yet, or you gonna wait a while? Now tell me, counselor, which one of us is the true headline chaser here? Unlike you, I was assigned to this case. You know who I am? No, sir, I don't. Don't you read the papers? Richard Gere. I speak, you do not speak. Your job is just to sit there and look innocent. Well, I am innocent. That's it. That's exactly how I want you to look. Can you remember that? Look in the mirror if you have to. Even when the headline is murder. There was someone else in that room. It was the third person? <laughs> That's the worst story I've ever heard in my entire life. Now it's our story. He's the one. You want to go one-on-one -on -one with me? I don't lose. What's the matter, Marty? Been a while since you rubbed up against a woman with a brain? Who's the real story? Come on, ask it. What about the truth? The illusion of truth. But he did kill him, right? No, he didn't. Don't tell me you think he didn't do it. So how are you going to get him off? I don't know. What do you think he's up to? I honestly don't know. I saw the tape! I know what he did to you. Oh. Do you know what I would do if someone did that to me? I would stab him 78 times. It's a mistake to stick your thumb in the eyes of the most powerful people in the city. You're worse than the thugs you represent. Objection, Your Honor. Next thing you know, he'll be objecting if we want to bring in the murder weapon. Well, now the chief brings it up. You're on dangerous ground here. Yep. If you print any of this, I'll see your ass. Primal Fear. This is a cover story, right? Yeah. Okay, good trailer. I couldn't resist doing the movie phone voice there. Sure. Um... So, Chris, do you have a synopsis for us? I do. As you said, uh, this was a 1996 film. It stars Richard Gere as an attorney in Chicago. He's somewhat slimy, representing bad people. There is a bishop or, or an archbishop, I kind of forget exactly what his title was, who is murdered early on in the film. Um, and a young man named, a 19-year-old man named Aaron played by Edward Norton, is the prime suspect in the murder. He is seen running from the residence of the bishop covered in blood. Uh, he's arrested, and Richard Gere volunteers to be his defense attorney. Uh, the prosecuting attorney is played by Laura Linney, and she and Richard Gere are former uh, lovers. And so as the trial goes on... Um, there is a psychologist or psychiatrist played by Francis McDormand who determines that Edward Norton's character has multiple personality disorder and that it there is uh, a different personality who was actually the one who did the murder, they believe. Possibly. Um, and it kind of goes from there. The rest of it, uh, most of the rest of it is what happens in the courtroom. So... That's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah, I agree. What'd you think? So I had not seen this before, and I knew... The only thing I really knew about this was that it had Richard Gere in it and Edward Norton. Uh, so His debut film, as it turns out. Was it his debut? I, I, I thought it might have been. Yeah. I wasn't sure of that, but this was, you know, this was his first. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, not that it was a bad performance or anything, but he's just really young in it. Um, I, Richard, so I'm a big Edward Norton fan. I, I like him a lot. Richard Gere has always been an actor that I've never disliked him or anything, but I could just kind of take or leave him. Um, yeah. one of my very, I never got into pretty woman, you know, and, and all that. One of my absolute favorite 
Richard Gere movies is the Mothman prophecies. I don't know if you ever saw that or not, mm. but yeah, um, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I partly enjoyed it because the events of it take place about an hour from where we live. Um, but I, I really liked him in that movie. But uh, despite all of that, I thought he was great in this role. Um, and Edward Norton is is excellent in his role. He is so he he's playing these two characters essentially Aaron who is this uh, boy from Kentucky who has moved to Chicago and he's homeless he's been taken in by the bishop uh, and then this other and he's this kind of meek young man who has a bad stutter and then the other personality this Roy is violent and very seemingly self-assured um, so it's a it's a really great acting job on Edward Norton's part. Um, we find out this was one thing that I thought, I, I don't know how the movie would have been taken in 1996 versus today, but the second they showed the Bishop on screen, which is within the first minute or two of the movie, I thought, okay, he's going to be, you know, he's a pedophile or a molester. Or whatever. <laughs> in 19, yeah. 90, 1996 was probably before the the massive Catholic church scandal. So today it's like, you see a priest on film and it's like, Oh, he's going to be a pedophile, you know, in a movie like this, he's a pedophile or he's a murderer or whatever. But, but back then that may have been more shocking than it is today. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was, um, it was well put together. You know, it, it was a, a compelling story and something that I thought was really fun about it was, when you watch these movies from 25 years ago, you know, they're a time capsule, not just in the look of the movies, but, uh, you know, you have all these people who went on to be big stars. So Edward Norton wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been a big star at the time. It was his first movie. And he went on to be a big star. Frances McDormand. It was neat to see her very young. Um, you also have Terry O'Quinn in this of, I don't know if you were a lost fan or not, but he was, uh, sure. Uh, lock on lost looking very different. You know, he has, uh, he's still doesn't have much hair, but it's black and he has a black mustache. Well, he has more hair, more hair than he does in Lost. Yeah. Where he's this bald, but he has this black mustache and he's, you know, he's probably 25 pounds lighter or something than he, than he was. So I, it's, it's fun to, to go back and watch these movies where they, these people that, you know, if you'd watched it at the time, you wouldn't have paid too much attention because you wouldn't have been like, Oh, it's Francis McDormand or, Oh, it's Terry O'Quinn. These people were just actors. And then they went on to big, be big stars. So, so that was fun. Uh, The, I like, um, so the aforementioned Mothman prophecies, uh, that was Richard Gere and Laura Linney in it. So it was, I thought that was kind of cool that, um, you know, they were in this movie and then reunited several years later, but, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I did too. I, I didn't like it as much. I didn't think it stood up as well as it did. I guess in 96, we would have just been getting out of college or have just gotten out of college. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's not like we were in high school per se, but I remember thinking it was, um, you know, it was slick and fast moving, and I just remember like, oh, that was a hell of a movie. And I watched it again, and I did, it. I enjoyed it. But I think having just watched Basic Instinct, um, is sort of comparing. You can't really help but compare the two. I mean, that's that's what made me think of this movie was the sort of psychopath and the legal thriller. Um, I think Edward Norton's uh, performance makes the movie worth watching. So mm-hmm. when we get to the end and if we're going to recommend it, I'm going to say, uh, yeah, for that performance alone. Like, it's not that he reinvents the wheel. It's just he really shines in, a. Ca- I mean, Andre Brower's in it. Yeah, yeah. And Laura Linney's in it. Richard Gere's in it. Up in a, in a cast full of pros who, yes, were younger at the time, but clearly know what they're doing on screen this kid comes on and i think kind of outshines them all i'd agree yeah 
I think this script doesn't hold up as well. Part of it is the priest in the sexual thriller, right? That's not the surprise anymore. It's a cliche. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I mean, I guess I say that it's a terrible tragedy, the, that Catholic cover-up that goes all the way to the top. I'm not trying to make sense of it, but we're all familiar with it. And the Definitely expectation, from a film sta- standpoint, yeah. As you've stated, the expectation is that, uh-oh, that, you know, there's a... There's a twist there. Uh, you know, he's a bad guy. But um, I also think that what this one triggered for me is a pet peeve I have about legal movies, and it triggered it really hard, is the the kind of Hollywoodization. Like, have you ever been in a courtroom during a trial? <laughs> I haven't, but yeah, I know they're they're it, they're not like this. It, it's as boring as watching paint dry, even yeah. in the OJ trial. Like you, you can actually go and watch that footage. And that was a flashy trial. It's interminable. There is just this tedious presentation of evidence. And, the, you know, the lawyers, as even if they have zingers, they're not flashy like this. They're not they're like, no. Your Honor. And surprise witnesses where the whole courtroom gasps and turns like a tennis match. You're like, come on. No court is like this. And we go in the back, and I, I think it's Angela Bassett, isn't it, is yes. the judge? Yeah, so it's like, wow, you know. And and Angela Bassett's the judge, and literally, they're always, she's like, my chambers. They're always going back into her chambers. The and first she's drinking she scotch does, or whatever. <laughs> the, and I thought. The first I, thing she does is pour herself about three fingers of scotch. And I thought, like. Hey, and and she's in there like eight that? times. Like, yeah. You're going back into the courtroom, woman. <laughs> drunk. Um, and you know, so, so it, I, I, again, I jump right into my criticisms of a thing. I did enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun, and I think the performances are great. I just, when you compare the two scripts, as you had said during the last episode, Primal Fear doesn't feel shocking, um, and Basic Instinct, even in twenty now twenty one was still had moments that felt shocking. And like, mm-hmm. I had seen that movie and it's been around for 30 years, you know? Yeah. And so this one doesn't feel shocking, although it's clearly supposed to, it feels a little smug and it feels very slick and it feels very self-satisfied with how clever it is. And those elements of it don't stand up as well for me. But it's not, you know, I didn't have to fight my way through it. I enjoyed mm-hmm. watching it. No. It moves at a good pace. And the acting is terrific. I love Laura Linney. Um, I do, too. And, uh, you know, and Richard Gere's never been my favorite either. But he's but really good I in this, I felt. You know. He is really good. I think he's. I think he's even better. I think he's even better when you cast him a little bit against type. And so playing a kind of a slick lawyer, you know. Um, is is it contributes to it feeling a little overripe? Like, it, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I you know, and that we has a speech in a bar where he's drunk and he's talking to an an uh, a writer who's trying to do a book on him or a profile on him for a magazine, and he has this thing. He's like, you know what I do? Why I do? It's because I really believe in it, and I don't believe him. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. But it's clear that that's supposed to ring true. Like we're supposed to be surprised. That this slick, for-profit, rich lawyer, cocky lawyer, is really doing it because he believes everyone deserves a fair shake. And then so when he finds out he's been played by Edward Norton's character, we are supposed to be crushed with him that, uh uh-oh, you know, you actually helped a bad guy. He's been helping bad guys all along. There's a mobster that's a friend of his that ends up dead in the river. Yeah. And... I feel very clearly that we're supposed to feel bad that this mobster got whacked. Yeah. That right? was after we, after we, uh, I'm not leaving New York. This is my neighborhood. We're trying to help the neighborhood. Right. Yeah. But you're also a mobster who kills people. So when he ends up dead, I'm kind of like, I'm supposed to feel bad now that Richard's gear, Richard gear is friends with the guy, you know, in one hand kind of washes the other. And it really strikes a chord with his character when this guy turns up dead because he knows that it's the power brokers, O'Shaughnessy, and, you know, the mm-hmm. the league of bigwigs who were sort of, you know, hand in glove with the 
with the archbishop. He knows that they that they had something to do with it. And there's this sort of like, now you've gone too far. And I'm like, he was a mobster. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you think is going? You defend these guys. What do you think? Who do you think you're defending? Yeah. So, and I just felt we were supposed to go with it. And I was like, I don't know, maybe in 1996 I bought that, but I, I'm maybe I'm just older or maybe politics is maybe more cynical, but it just struck me as wildly implausible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's there's some great chemistry between Richard Gere and um, Laura Linney, and the dialogue that they have together is some of my favorite in the film because they're – even if they're implausible, they're little legal maneuverings of like, who's we're going to trick them into introducing this evidence. And, you know, they're sitting down off the record kind of, you know, former lovers now sparring over this case and they're an equal match. And I thought that stuff, those scenes really sing um, in a satisfying way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, the And you talked about it. Uh, Ed Norton's performance is really the emotional core of the of the film, um, right. because you you really feel bad for this guy because he's you know he's this homeless kid and he has this stutter and you kind of automatically anybody who has a stutter you you feel bad for them and we find out that what the uh, what the bishop was doing at least with him is he was having him and these other young people have sex and then he would record it. So, you know, it's like, he's really been used in that regard. And then the, the one thing that I thought was that really didn't ring true to me about the movie. And this plays into what you were saying, the, you know, Hollywoodization of, uh, the courtroom is he, uh, it's supposed to be that when he gets very upset or he's challenged or whatever, that the, the, uh, the more powerful uh, persona, this Roy takes over. So um, Richard Gere gets Laura Linney basically to goad him into bringing out that um, that side of him because he Richard Gere's whole defense is going to be insanity. So he gets so, but, but he Gere, can't intro, he can't change the plea to insanity. Exactly, they've yeah. already pled not guilty, and then. Then they sort of discover the multiple personality thing, but they can't change plea to insanity. So he needs that. He needs that to sort of come out as a mistrial in a slam dunk way, which is what he sort of orchestrates towards the end. So Ed Norton, you know, she she makes him mad. So he's he starts swearing and calls her a name or whatever. And he jumps out of the witness. He's on the witness stand. He jumps out of the box and, you know, knocks her down and everything. So it's just like I thought that was really funny because it was just like well he's insane because he got mad and you know so it was like i thought wonder how many times in you know there have been cases where somebody punched somebody in a courtroom and they don't right. just say well clearly they got angry so they're a crazy you know they're they're uh you know they have right. a mental illness i thought that was very that was yeah. one part of the movie that that didn't seem plausible at all that it just be like, well, yeah, insanity. And then, and oh, go, go ahead. And oh, then I have a thought that okay. springboards right off of that. So I was just going to say, so then at the very end, they're, uh, they're in the jail cell and, you know, they're going to, uh, uh, Ed Norton is going to be sent to this mental hospital and Richard Gere's like, you know, we're going to get the help. You're going to get the help that you needed. And he's like, Oh, thank you. You saved my life. And, um, and, uh, he hugs him and he says, Oh, I hope, uh, uh, Mrs. Venable, I guess, or Miss Venable, I guess was her name. I hope her neck's okay. Well, he couldn't have known that because when he's the, the bad personality, he loses time, you know, and he doesn't remember anything that happened. So Richard Gere figures out that he was just faking. He didn't have the, and he admits it. And he admits that he, you know, he killed the, uh, Bishop and he also killed his girlfriend. Um, so, uh, you know, I, how did you think that played? Did you like that twist or? Well, you know, you know, when you already know it's coming, it's not. I yeah, remember at first thinking like, oh, snap. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because I didn't know it was coming. I was just when I first saw the film, I, I was, uh, you know, it was like. um 
sixth sense to me. I, you know, I didn't know he could see. I didn't know Bruce Willis was dead. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I just spoiled sixth sense <laughs> for anybody. Twenty years later. Um, yeah, I. Uh, but but, you know what I mean. So so I just assumed like, oh, this guy's crazy. How are they going to get this poor crazy guy off? And then when he was like, but what what this is what I was going to say earlier. What really um, struck me this time was you're supposed to be like. He's like, oh, so there never was a Roy. And he's like, no, there never was an Aaron. Mm -hmm. And Richard Gere's face falls, and you're supposed to be like, oh, snap, Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time. But I this time I thought, so what? Like, you're still insane. Yeah. Even if you're not a multi-personality disorder, you know, you're you're a violent psychopath. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you should be in a hospital for the criminally insane. Like I didn't we're all supposed to feel like no he should have gotten justice and gone to jail. I don't know. In 2021 I'm like I think people who are criminally insane should be in hospitals where they can be studied and maybe given treatment. I I don't you don't get the sense that there's many treatment options available for you this guy, but it's not like they're going to send him to a hospital and he'll be out in a year, right? Yeah. I mean, he's I, I don't know. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe if he puts on the Aaron Act, he can fool them too. But that presumes a world in which, you know, maybe he fooled Francis McDormand, but he's going to fool a whole bevy of clinicians. You know what I mean? I, I just, it didn't seem to me like this guy was going to walk free and do more damage. You know, he's going to kill again. Yeah. You know? Not that I'm glad another person's going to die, but. He's not just going to walk off into the sunset and turn into, like, Johnny Upstanding Citizen. He's a psychopath. Yeah. I definitely felt like the movie wants you to believe that it's like, oh, this the only person who will know the secret is Richard Gere. Because he makes it, he says, right. uh, you know, uh, client, uh, uh, yeah, right. you know, lawyer, client privilege or whatever. So it's like, oh, nobody's ever going to figure out, you know, you're the only one who who knows my secret, you know. I think that's definitely what the movie wants you to go. Yeah, right and it's it's a pretty stupid mistake too mm. to do the thing about I hope her neck's okay, right? That's a pretty ham-handed mistake for somebody who's that good. Yeah. So you think, oh no, they'll never figure it. out. I'm like, well, Richard Gere figured it out, and he's really only known the guy a couple of weeks. So you think over a year and a maximum, this butterfingered psychopath's not going to make more mistakes, like. But again, I'm cynical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I first saw the movie, I was like, "Oh no!" But <laughs> I mean, I, didn't I was feel that way this I day. was uh, I was fooled by it. I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting the twist at the end. One thing that I was thinking watching this a good bit, and I wonder, you don't really multiple personality isn't something that you really multiple personality disorder isn't something you hear a whole lot about anymore. But I remember. Do you remember like right. when we were kids, like, you know, stuff like, like Geraldo and Oprah and it, it was kind of like a hot topic for a little while. Yeah. And it was always a yeah. debate of, is it real or is it a situation like this where it's like somebody's just a really good actor and they're just faking, um, you know, so I, I thought I that was it's extremely rare. Yeah. Yeah. I'm checking it. Do you remember when the internet wasn't full of useful information? I do, but <laughs> we're so it's old, now called so, disassociative yeah. yeah, disassociative identity disorder, right? right? Characterized by the maintenance of at least two distinct and relatively enduring personality states. Memory gaps beyond what would be explained by ordinary forgetfulness. So the memory gets fragmented too, which makes me think of the of the movie Splinter. Did you ever see that? I did. Yeah. That is a Whatever, however you feel about that film, that is a master performance by that guy, mm-hmm. James oh, McAvoy. Yeah. I mean, I just thought, oh, wow, as yeah, really he was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's Anywho. I believe it's something that. Uh, so I'll go back to my psychology degree that we learned in Basic Instinct. You used to manipulate people with, but um, I'm pretty sure it's recognized in whatever. When I was in school, it was the DSM four, but I, I think it's DSM five or six now, which is the diagnostic 
manual that for psychology. So I think it's a, an officially recognized thing, but I think it's still controversial as to, you know, the validity of it. I don't know. But so what, one thing that I had to laugh thinking about with this is, so last week we watched Basic Instinct. This week we watched Primal Fear. So it's like we need to continue. We need to, you know, it's like uh, we need to have uh, some other adjective title. noun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This week we'll be watching adjective noun. <laughs> and uh, going back to that basic instinct, I just—it's um, kind of funny how things work out like this. I saw a little blurb about a new movie that Ben Affleck is working on, and I don't remember what the title was. But did you it, say Ben Affleck? Because there was a blip, and it sounded like yeah, I'm working on a new movie that Affleck is. <laughs> oh, Affleck, Affleck. Yeah, no, it's uh, Ben Ben Affleck. Uh, ben Affleck is working on a new film. Go. And they were in the article that I was reading. They were uh, heralding it as the return of the erotic thriller. So I thought that was kind of interesting since we were just talking about that last week. You know, where have these movies yeah, gone? With and, Ben Affleck. So, with, I don't know if ben, ben Affleck is the right guy for... I have nothing against Ben Affleck. I really don't. But I just don't... He doesn't strike me as the kind of actor that can do absolutely anything. You he know? doesn't have a lot of range, I don't think. Yeah. And I don't know it's who I would... I mean, Meryl Streep could probably do absolutely anything. But it's few yeah. few actors that I would hold up as like, this person could do... Or Tom Hardy. You know, Tom Hardy seems to have range, crazy range. Mm-hmm. That he could, you know, he could play a heavy or a stiff or anything, um, you know, or a supervillain or whatever. And yeah. you, you kind of go with it. Johnny Depp, you know, he's become a little bit of a of a punchline now. But I mean, he he Johnny Depp has a lot of range, you know, or, or has had a lot of range. So I yeah. saw. Yeah. I saw Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner in a restaurant in Charleston, West Virginia few years ago no kidding yeah we were driving well, driving up and her, her her father but they have yeah his parents uh, her yeah she grew up in charleston and her parents lived there so yeah but we were pulling up and I there was you. there was a guy standing outside smoking and looking at his phone and i just thought he kind of vaguely looked like ben affleck and i was like oh hey it's ben affleck you know just as a joke and we pulled up and we were like I think that's Ben Affleck. And it was like, Oh snap. It is yeah. Ben Affleck. It's Ben Affleck. Uh, and uh, so even knowing that, you know, her, she, her family was there and everything. It's still a little weird to see, um, you know, and we didn't approach him or anything. I mean, we just walked in the sure. restaurant and, you know, he didn't look up. Isn't it tempting though that, I mean, that's mature of you not to do because he's a person who has a life. And, yeah. But, isn't it tempting? Oh, oh it it's is. It's so yeah. tempting to be like, what the heck? What are you doing here? Like, we've, I feel like I know these celebrities because I'm so into these movies. Of course, I don't know them, right? I just know their performances. But you want to be like, Ben, oh, cool. Hey, man, I love that thing. And he's just like, will you leave me alone? Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't want to, my dad didn't figure it out. He didn't realize until late. it was actually Father's Day when we went. So it was like this, uh, this Father's Day meal. But like, so he went in and then a little bit later, um, uh, she showed up and then there were other, I never watched the show, but there were some actors from, uh, the, when she was on that show alias, like they were there. So it was like several actors, but, um, my dad will talk to anybody. So after, you know, we were just like, oh yeah, you know, Ben Affleck was there <laughs> and, uh, cause he would have just started talking to him and probably would have sure. bugged him to death, you know? So. But yeah, so I bet he's a nice guy. I'm sure I mean, he is. Yeah, I'm I, sure he would have been great. I'm sure he wouldn't. Have My been. dad's the same way. He's like, I'm going to go talk to him. I'm like, please don't. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't. Why? Be, I'm sure he wouldn't be mean to an old man. You know? No. So, and your dad is about as sweet as they come. Yeah, yeah. Your dad too. So, but yeah. So that's my that's my Ben Affleck story. But anyway, apparently the erotic thriller is is coming out according to coming back, according to this article that I read. So, okay. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. I don't, whatever we, you know, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but well, whatever we do, like we're 27, we're halfway into this and I don't really have anything else more to say about basic. And I mean, uh, primal fear. Yeah. It's a pretty like standard, it. it's a pretty standard courtroom, uh, you know, movie. And I would definitely agree with you that it's elevated by the performance of Ed Norton. Anybody who's an Ed Norton fan like me, but you haven't seen this, I, I would say definitely watch it for him. 
Yeah, you know, and the others. Yeah. Everybody's good in it. The script doesn't quite live up to the cast they put together, frankly. Mm -hmm. You know, they give Andre Brower a few lines that I'm like, that line is beneath him. You know, and he's bringing very strong acting talents to delivering mediocre lines. And so he makes it work. But I'm sort of like, I wish several times I thought I wish this script was better. So that that challenged these actors a little bit more because Mm -hmm. when you, for me, when you hear the script, when you're watching a movie and you suddenly in your mind's eye, see the words that someone just said on the page, that's a failure of the script, Mm -hmm. um, in my mind. Um, and that happened a number of times in this movie, but Again, I'm kind of picking this. Like Rachel, I asked Rachel if she wanted to watch it with me because she's sort of into thrillers, and I thought she might get a kick out of it. And she was like, after I had watched it, she's like, "Um, was it good?" I was like, "No." You know, I mean, that was my response. Yeah, it's not a movie that you're going to be thinking about for the next two weeks or anything. No, I didn't text my dad and be like, "Man, do you remember?" Primal Fear. Ooh, I just rewatched that. That is a humdinger. Yeah. Um, uh, no, you talked sorry. about the lack of shock, and the only thing in the movie that I found shocking, and you know, it's in the first five or ten minutes, is the actual murder of the uh, of the bishop. That he yes. chops his fingers off, and it's really gr- you're yes. like, whoa, it's really grisly. Yes. And I thought this movie is going to be. I thought, oh, this is going to be another seven or something like that. I was like, wow, this is going to be, and then nothing like that. There's no, you know, there's no violence. If there isn't, if there isn't sort of a template, you know, for these kind of movies, like, cause there was that in, that was the hook in, in uh, basic instinct too. Right. There was this graphic bloody. We didn't, we didn't, there wasn't sex tied to it. I mean, I think in basic instinct, it's a, they are, she kills him during intercourse. Um, so there's this kind of one, two punch element to it. Mm-hmm. And this one, it's a kind of a, we we're in the guy's home and he's like putting on a record or something in his, you know, bathrobe and looks up and there's an, a home invader. We don't see him with POV from who we, it's Edward Norton, but mm-hmm. we don't know that at the time. And then the hatchet kind of comes down on his, or a big knife or something comes down and his fingers go flying everywhere and you go, yo, yo, you know? And and so I wonder if these, if these thriller movies follow that template where the hook has got to be, the hook is the murder. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from there we unspool how it all transpired. Yeah. I, I, that makes sense. And also, you know, you talked, we talked about the, the Catholic church scandal thing they show so the you know the priest has all these videotapes and they uh watch you know 10 seconds or something or they show 10 seconds or so on the screen of um i don't know if edward norton is actually i think he just kind of has his shirt off but there's a woman who's naked and then there's another man you know young man that you see from the back and you know he's naked and I think that was meant to be really, really shocking. I think you were supposed to feel like, did you ever watch uh, the first season of True Detective? Yes. I think you were supposed to, you know, the, the, in True Detective, it was like young kids. But I think, you know, I think you were meant to feel like, wow, this is a horrible thing that I shouldn't be seeing. And it doesn't yeah. really, it just seems like standard nudity in a movie, you know? Well, part of, okay, that's a great comparison, True Detective season one. Um, Part of it is the way the people who are viewing it respond, Mm -hmm. right? We have our own response to watching it. But we also see the characters. So there's a, there's a, uh, there's a movie within a movie. And we, we also are watching an audience watching the movie. And in Primal Fear, it's a couple of jaded lawyers, you know, yeah. and Laura Linney, I, I think this is how the script is. And this is what they're trying to show is she's not particular. You know, she says, like, nice porno. Where'd you get that? You know, and, and she's more peeved at Richard. She sees what she's trying, what he's trying to do by leaving it on her doorstep is he's trying to get it int- her to introduce it as evidence. So she's less concerned about the thing that she just saw and and 
than she is with this baloney her her legal adversary is trying to pull. Whereas in in season one of um, True Detective, we see the two cops, and one cop has watched it and is showing it to the other cop, and two another couple of great performances. By oh yeah, Woody Harrelson and um, um, Matthew McConaughey. Mm-hmm. McConaughey's seen it. And he's like, you know, come here. You, the, you, you have to see this. And he not can't like, hey, watch. you gotta see this. But, but yeah, I, you, you, it's imp- not that I want you to see this, but it, it is necessary that you see what is on this tape. And so he watches it, and Woody Harrelson's performance couldn't be different. You know, he is absolutely horrified because I think not only are they raping the girl, but they kill her. Yeah. I, there's a point where he's like, no, no, and then he's like, no. He can't watch anymore. And they have this conversation where McConaughey's like, you know, I I, I watched the whole thing. I had to see if, they, if any of them took their masks off, right? So I sat here and made myself sit through this whole snuff film, basically. Um, and I think that seeing us as an audience, watching the audience watch a thing that is already disturbing informs how we feel about it. Mm-hmm. To a certain degree, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, um, and nobody got, you know, I mean, the bishop ended up getting killed, yeah. but what we were supposed to—it was more salacious and sort of sad, thinking like a bishop isn't supposed to be manipulating, you know, kids in this way. But they also weren't children; children, they were nineteen, mm-hmm. and it was a little bit of a cheap twist because they were all attractive, right? Right. Edward Norton was probably, I don't know how old he was. He might have been 19, but I, I assume he was in his 20s playing 19. Yeah. And he's well-built, and so was the other guy, and the girl was really pretty, and, you know, she had nice breasts. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it's true. Yeah. And and the whole thing was filmed to be titillating in addition to, like, oh, the kids were abused, but they weren't really kids, and it was kind of a hot thing in a sick way. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Versus the other one, which was absolutely... Like it, sh- I was shaken. <laughs> the other yeah. thing, I was like, "Oh my god, oh, oh my yeah, god, I can't." For sure. Not to get off on a tangent, and you know, this is an original, isn't an original thought on on my part, but I'd say over the last ten years, there aren't many movies or films, m- movies or series that I've seen that I liked any more than. True to that first season of True Detective. I watched it was that. Great. I watched that whole th- and I almost never do this. I watched the whole thing through three times. Wow, really? Three yeah. times? Yeah. I um, didn't. People really, really gave the other. They gave season two such a drubbing, and then seasons three got some more acclaim. This is another series that season one it was a totally different set of people from season two, totally different set of people from season three, and they're set in different times um regions and different times and you know i thought all three were really good television although the first one was overwhelmingly yeah uh, electrifying even compared to the other two i haven't watched the other two so i just a lot of people i would be interested to see what you think because they season two everyone was like it was terrible and i'm like mm-hmm. well it's not terrible i agree that i'm not as it doesn't hit you like season one hits you, but some great performances in it and some messed up stuff. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's just a very, it's a different different cast of characters, different story. But I think a similar tone in terms of where, you know, where in the gut it's aiming for you. And like the first one, um, it's sort of a slow burn as we get to know everybody and there's sort of tectonic pressures building up and then right near the end like the last three two one episodes things kind of explode and suddenly you feel like you can't keep up with it you're just you know hanging on by one hand as it hurdles along mm-hmm. and i don't know I, I really i thought it was pretty good i might check them out sometime the director of the first season carrie fukunaga i don't know if i'm pronouncing it that right he was supposed to to direct the it uh stephen king's it adaptation and that fell through and i mean i liked the i liked what they did with it but i would have really liked to have seen what he would have done Uh, but he directed the new uh james bond that is i think is now Uh, delayed until next fall 
which is supposed to come out this yeah. Christmas, I think. But he's a really, I mean, he's a really interesting director. But but yeah, that first season <laughs> of True Detective was awesome. I was watching a YouTube. I just went down a YouTube hole the other day, and I watching Bill Hader, and he was on a talk show talking about working on it, uh-huh. and they put up a really funny picture. He, I forget the guy's name who played uh, Pennywise in the new It, but yeah, I've seen him I, in some other stuff. Yeah, yeah. And there's a really and and he was like he's just the nicest, smartest, funniest guy, mm-hmm. and, but he's genuinely terrifying when he's acting and he's in character. And he was like, Skarsgård, Stellan Skarsgård, is that? Yes. Name? And he's like, how do they do that thing with your eye? You know, do they digitally? What or is that a lens? And he's like, oh, you mean this? And he could like really do that where he points his eyes in different directions. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a picture of them on set where they're in costume. And, you know, um, Bill Hader's costume is more or less just guy on the street. Uh, and that, but, but Skarsgård's in full, clown outfit, yeah. full clown outfit. And, you know, Bill Hader has just said some punchline. And, and so Pennywise is standing there with his hands on either side of his belly and his head thrown back <laughs> in a big, genuine, like, joyful laugh and it's the funniest sort of upsetting video yeah yeah or not video but but picture, picture. you I know it's a great picture because you're just like oh man. that uh that they did such an amazing job i felt matching the adult actors to the kid actors yeah they it did. was really great uh one last thing uh you know and we can wrap it up here but bill Hader you watched uh, Skeleton Twins and you texted me like halfway through. How did you, how did you think of it uh, oh, after yeah. you finished it? I, I really dug it. I did. I got Rachel to watch that one with me and she really enjoyed it as well. Um, it's certainly, it's certainly not uh, the perfect movie, but you know, for anyone who's ever dealt with depression, I think it's a very realistic portrait of, depression in real life right it's not primal fear where it's like well there's this diagnosis where someone feels sad all the time and it make you know what i mean it's like it's a very realistic depiction of of living with depression and um bill Hader and Kristen wig have such incredible chemistry and they're yeah. both actually very very talented legit actors in addition to being hilarious so the comedy they bring to it is wonderful. Um, but we did have a conversation about, you know, he's, I think he's a straight guy. I, yeah, I, he's married I and has Bill kids. And, straight. Yeah, he's married and has But children. he's playing a gay character. And it's not like this movie was made in, you know, 1990-something. This movie was made recently. And I thought, I don't remember there being any kerfluffle on the internet um, why didn't we cast a gay actor in a gay role? Mm-hmm. And the conversation I was having with Rachel about it was, you know, this doesn't feel even remotely offensive. It feels totally plausible. You know, I think his performance is just specific and feels very genuine and very heartfelt and empathetic. And you're kind of like, well, you know, I also think we've gotten... There's there are many, um, you know, gay actors, uh, male and female and in between or I don't I don't mean to be offensive. I just mean I think we we're starting to get past that a little bit as long as it's not a um, uh, as long as it's not a pantomime as long as, you know, a parody of something, you know. So if it feels like a true and genuine performance, hey, sure, a heterosexual man could play a straight man as long as it's plausible. Why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they've had to for the history of because there haven't been gay characters, but I don't. I don't. I think we're to a point where as long as it's heartfelt and good and the performance feels real, then it's not strictly necessary that every homosexual character on screen be portrayed by a homosexual. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I agree. I mean, I can't. I don't know what you know, uh, people who are gay, th- uh, thought about it, but yeah, I, I didn't, there wasn't anything about it to me that seemed offensive in any way. I mean, it seemed like a very honest, uh, portrayal. I don't know. And just kind of a non-issue in the movie. Like it wasn't the fact that he was gay. 
you know, that wasn't why he was depressed. Yeah, nobody that cared. That wasn't why he know. had a problematic, yeah, it, it wasn't it, apropos of anything. It's like Bill Hader has dark hair and he's gay and he's six foot one or whatever. You know, it's like it just wasn't a plot point of the movie. It was just happened to be one detail about his character. And I thought that also made it seem less uh, weighted. I don't know. Maybe there was. A, I'm not really on the internet and following threads and stuff. So maybe there was a big outcry about it. I, I know. I yeah. I, I never saw anything about it at the time. I don't know. But it's uh, so another. There's a little bonus part of the episode. It, this is if you want to see Bill Hader and in a very different role for him as well as um, Kristen Wiig in in a dramatic role. Uh, it's a it's a really good film. A very small movie, but yeah, I want to even talk about it more, but I don't want to sort of spoil in case people haven't seen it. I would be like, yeah, it's really good. It feels like an indie movie. I don't know that it was an indie movie. Was it? It it was pretty small. I would say, I don't know if it was a major studio release, but but. genuinely enjoyable and thought provoking and a lot going on in there. And as you, I think you said fantastic chemistry between the two of them. Oh yeah. Just really great. They're brother and sister. I don't know if we said that or not, but she's messed up in her own way. Mm -hmm. She's got her own stuff that she's wrangling with. Um, okay. Do you, so, um, let's just, so do you recommend primal fear? Would you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I recommend, I recommend it. I mean, I guess maybe it kind of depends on what your taste is. It's, it's, you know, it's not dissimilar to, other courtroom dramas it's it's you know it's not reinventing the wheel but it's it's well put together and and it has good performances from you know a very solid cast yeah i and i agree and i think i don't know what its rating is i'd i'd say it's probably a 75 or maybe i mean yeah it's competently done it's polished and it's well produced you know, and, and so on, it gets higher marks on those things. It's not a wobbly movie, but there's something a little overripe in it conceptually that hasn't aged as well. And I think that would lower the score a little bit. too. 7.7 so, on IMDb. That's a that's a pretty yeah. high score that's a pretty for high IMDb. 180 score. some thousand reviews. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty high for IMDb. But I'd say I, I it's about a seven. You know, I might not have given it a seven point seven. I think I had given it about a seven too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was good. Yeah. Good popcorn movie. You know, it's, it's something you could watch with your parents if they're down for the, you know, subject matter. And it's really fun to see everybody so young. Like everybody's so thin and good looking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, does that make you sad to like see, you know, especially people that you're used to seeing today, and you're like, wow, they're so young, and I don't no, know. It doesn't make me sad. I couldn't take my eyes off Laura Lenny's hair. Mm-hmm. I just fascinated. She's got this fairly conventional haircut, but just great hair. It looks like a um, shampoo commercial. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I would like she's to. Great. I, I don't know, you know, kind of what she's doing now, but she's she's somebody that I always think is just kind of a welcome addition. Did you ever see Ozark? Movie. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I I've not watched it. No, I know I it's very. Intense. I haven't either. And the other thing that she was really good in is the John Adams miniseries that HBO did with uh, Paul Giamatti. Oh okay, yeah, I didn't watch that. She either. played uh, John Matt. I you know uh, his wife, and so she's not in it a ton, but she's in it a fair amount. Mm-hmm. She's just great. Yeah, she's you know she's Laura Lenny, man. She's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, what do you want to do for next time? What do you think? There was, uh, I mean, I kind of feel like something kind of dumb again since we've done two pretty okay. serious things. I don't know. Do you want to talk about it some, or do you want to you want to figure it out? No, let's just now. figure it out right now. We got some airtime to burn. Okay. Anyway, so. so what? Uh, um, I don't know. See what if do you I think? Can pull up that. Yeah, you know sheet. what? I don't have it right in front of me. I know there's some pretty bad stuff on there. Um, <laughs> there is, I don't want to watch. Okay. There's a couple things I, I don't want to watch. Um, I don't want to watch extra. Okay. At least not next time. 
Um, and I, mm, I don't know. It's weird in January because I don't feel. Um, I don't know. January is a weird time to be picking this stuff. I kind of want things to feel kind of cozy and I think that part of that it's like part of that go home for Christmas and I just want to kind of cozy up in the big chair by the fire and watch something comforting and a little nostalgic mm -hmm. you know the equivalent of having a seasonal beer or a glass of high end scotch just kind of warms you up and you're like ah you know there's enough crazy stuff going on in politics today and now and always that uh, so I don't want to watch something that's cold and in, in the depths of space. Okay. Where the heck is that spreadsheet? What in the hoot? Now we talked about. Now this would be cold, is because it's wintry. But that uh, that 2020 movie, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, or whatever it's called. Oh well, that, I'm gonna eat my own words. We could do that. That looks kind of funny. Think that'd be okay. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be. The the trailer makes it seem pretty. Uh, serious, but I, I think it's it's uh, it's more of a comedy than what it appears from the trailer. But so that's a werewolf. That's small town people in a werewolf with a werewolf, and it. Uh, um, I forget what his name is. That's. Uh, I'm gonna look here real quick. This is riveting. Um, wolf, not radio, but. Um, it's the last, I believe, the last performance from Robert Forster, who I don't know about you, but I love Robert Forster. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they He's listed this comedy horror thriller. So I don't know. We can do that comedy, one. Comedy horror. Th Why don't we do that one? Okay. The other thing that's been that's been sort of floating around in the back of my mind is I haven't seen John Carpenter's The Thing in a while, and I know that's hardly a fringe or even a cult well, classic I mean, we movie. Could, we is, could do those back to back. I mean, but that's a that's, that's just a great a slam dunk movie. Yeah. That's a great God, that's uh, a good movie. Yeah. So I don't know. You want to do? But why don't we? Why don't we watch? Why don't we watch this other one next? And we'll marinate about the thing because I don't okay. know. I mean, we don't have any rules for this podcast, but mm -hmm. I, I, I do. I have been trying to sort of stay away from two mainstream things like we're not gonna you know alien it's yeah. been reviewed you know people times, yeah um but that being said have we're you heard doing of this the, for the fun of it so have you seen yeah it? right it's you gotta see it great little flick star um, wars um yeah yeah <laughs> I, I mean i love uh, i mean I'm, I'm gonna uh let the cat right out of the bag right now i love john carpenter's the thing so i could talk yeah, about because well, it's amazing yeah, yeah it's i amazing. could talk about that for hours so yeah. Well, yeah. but let's do. So it's called the. I just you sent me the trailer today. Yep. But it what is, is the one the we're Wolf, doing? It is called the Wolf of Snow Hollow. It is a 2020 film. It came back and came out back in October. Great. So it's another. Um, it's another new one, the Wolf of Snow Hollow. And it's a small town uh, sheriff's department dealing with a werewolf. Basically, is the gist of it. I think. Excellent. Excellent. I, yeah, I was, I saw that trailer and I thought that looks good. This seems very so we'll it's good it for the, the dead of winter when it's just like, we haven't seen, I don't know how it is up uh, where you are, but we haven't seen the sunshine in about three weeks. You know, there's no snow yeah. on the ground, but it's just dreary. As long as there's some comedy to it, I, I think I'll, yeah, I think it's by. supposed to, I think it's supposed to be pretty funny. So. Alrighty. So, okay, great. So, uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, it's Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. Love to hear your feedback. If you got it, thanks for listening and we will talk to you next week.